You are going to be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, My Talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com keyword mom. Thank you for joining us here on The Mom Show on My Talk 1071. I'm Ms. Shannon, and reminding you what we do here at The Mom Show is that what we're doing is we're taking some weight off your shoulders because we get busy as parents, as people, as my talkers, and we don't always have time to look into some very important information. Maybe you learn just enough to be dangerous mm-hmm. and to increase your anxiety. And so what we do here on The Mom Show is that we will decrease your anxiety with the help of our rotating panel of experts. They come in, they talk about a variety of topics and our expert this morning from Sheridan and Doulas, Deanne Doulas. Uh, so Deanne, I always like to remind people um, that we give out some great advice here and we know that you are a very accomplished practicing family attorney in town and this information will be very helpful for anybody that's listening, but we do encourage them to seek their own legal counsel. Yes. Yeah, and ask specific questions. Oh, you really need to, because we're going to talk about some generalities here. And part of the problem with family law and family law type issues is there is so much myth and folklore and misinformation that's out there that when we talk about issues, we have to talk about them generally. But you mix that in with all the other stuff you see on television, you hear from people and you swear is true, uh, but isn't. Uh, and it can be really, really confusing. Right. So get into see somebody, make an appointment, go talk to them, ask them about your questions, because sometimes it can be really something very specific to you that will make a different answer. Right. And you have been doing this for quite some time. And remind everybody again why you decided to go into family law, because you could have picked anything. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. I really could have picked anything. My background was in psychology, and I really felt that that was a way that I could help the most people. Mm -hmm. Family law is a really broad topic. We touch every aspect of people's lives. So businesses and retirement accounts and children and finance. And so it's one of those areas of law where we kind of touch everything. Right. Um, And so it really is helpful to me uh, with regard to my own kind of worldview to help other people understand how this works. Um, It's really very fulfilling. And you are legitimately helping people sleep better at night. That's that's always the goal, right? Because the worst thing that can happen is when you're going through something like this, you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you're thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to get through this? And your brain tricks you into thinking that if you just think about it longer, somehow (laughs) magically an answer is going to pop into your head. Right. And 95% of the time, you don't have all the information you need to come up with a solution. So all you do is you torture yourself. Right. And then you're tired and uh, you know unhappy during the day. And then the next night, because you didn't come up with a solution, it happens again. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where it actually drains your energy so much that it actually interferes with you being able to make good decisions for yourself. Right. So then you start making bad life choices. Absolutely. Okay. And what we never want to have happen is to have someone wake up in the middle of the night six years from now and go, oh my gosh, what happened? Why did I do that? Um, We want them to be able to think, well, I made that decision because of this and this and this, and this is why it made sense at the time, and lay back down and go to sleep. Right. Right? And it does seem like a lot of your advice is basically pre-planning for, and it sounds bad, 
for the worst case scenarios so that you can enjoy the good times. Yes. Right. So any lawyer that comes in and promises you sunshine and roses and only tells you about the good stuff is not doing their job. Right. right? You have to have all the information. And that means we have to consider the bad options, too. Right. And get to a point where we have enough information that it's not just letting fate determine what's going to happen, but you've actually made a choice about which of the options that are before you and which path you want to walk down. And today we're going to talk about uh, what happens when you're going through a divorce and some of the financial impacts that can happen to that. But it kind of like when you were sending me the information on this one, it kind of ties into some of the shows we've done before Mm -hmm. are encouraging you to kind of think through multiple scenarios in your future when you are still clouded by love. Yes. Um, so <laughs> and, it does happen. And we have to remind people, and I did this last week when we were talking to uh, Cassandra Brazier from Clear Step Financial, because we're talking about planning for things that happen if you get divorced. And we did that as well. And just, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't, you know, it sounds like I'm a buzzkill on love. I am not. No, <laughs> no. We you love are a love. lovely person. Yes. You can feel the love coming from you. But I also want people to make wise decisions so you can enjoy the love. And Absolutely. How, and that's what you do, uh, Deanne, is that you help them go, well, Yes, here's why we're talking about a prenuptial agreement. Here's why we're talking about a cohabitation agreement. Here's why we lay all these things out. Yes. So that we don't have to worry about it. If anything happens, I don't have to go, you know, you don't have to look at somebody and go, are they really trying to secretly like, Backside, screw me. Are yes. they kind of like, am I going to get jacked and if this goes awry? You, know, kind of thing. you don't have to think about it. Well, the biggest fear out, that we all have, if we were really being honest, is the fear of the unknown. That's right. why change is so painful. If we have these conversations, if we actively plan for these things and we don't just kind of leave it to chance and fate to determine what go- our future is going to look like. We really are in a place where we have less fear because we understand our situation, we understand our options, and we can move forward based upon our choice and not just circumstances. Well, if you have any questions, we always encourage our My Talkers to call into the Mom Show. The number is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. And why did you decide that we should talk about finances and divorce today? Well, the thing about finances and divorce, especially as we're coming up on the holidays and we're coming up on times when people spend money that they may or may not have. We're dealing with um, child custody issues and there's been some big changes in the financial laws in the state of Minnesota. It seemed like it was a really good time to review that, not just for the folks who were contemplating divorce or getting divorced, but those people who have already been divorced. You really still need to stay vigilant about your finances and how these changes in the law impact you because what's the baseline let's say that i've been divorced or you know so what's the best the best way for us to attack this should we talk about as you're starting the process or if you're already into it first you know i think some of the rules apply in either sense okay so i think if we just i've kind of put together a top 10 list of the things that you need to be thinking about as you're getting divorced and after you're divorced uh, I think if we can work through that, we can talk about it both from both time perspectives uh, as a, what you're doing now and what you would do uh, after the divorce was done. So when you're counseling people and they're starting this process, yeah, you know, when you know, I, I remember like when I was this is not something that I occurred to me to ask my attorney mm-hmm. when I was getting divorced and mm-hmm. I figured it out, you know, kind of thing. But it didn't even occur to me. Oh, maybe I should ask him what I should do about the money or what Mm -hmm. should I prepare? And I was able to navigate it, but it was a lot of things that it just 
didn't occur to me mm-hmm. in the midst of all of the, you know, I didn't even have an overly dramatic right. divorce. I had a dramatic-ish divorce. So what's mm-hmm. really important is when you are going through the divorce process, your adrenaline, your cortisol, all of those stress hormones are at an elevated state in your brain. And what happens is that your sympathetic nervous system, when you hit a certain level of stress, chemically disconnects your frontal lobe okay sets it off to the side and says look we really don't have time to be thinking about all the details of this we really need to just worry about survival okay so your brain really does start to narrow its viewpoint so it's just react react it's just react react. okay same as if you were being chased by a bear when you're getting divorced your survival of your family survival of your uh children survival of your ability to just survive is the same process if you were being chased by a bear so you need to seek out other resources during that time uh to try to expand that out beyond just the narrow focus that you're going to have otherwise it's really hard then to come back and go oh wait a second Why did I make these decisions? It was because you were narrowly focused based on what your brain was doing to you, not anything else. Right. And uh, a good lawyer is going to help you at all times broaden that focus. So just like any scenario where you were in danger, you would like a team to come help rescue. you. Yes, absolutely. You want someone coming in with parachutes, coming down from a helicopter, (laughs) scooping you out of there and getting you (laughs) to safety. Somebody put the fire out. I was not able to put the fire out. Right. That's what a good lawyer does is they really give you the information to realize You're not being chased by a bear. Here's some other options that we need to consider and get you in a place where you're making decisions again and not just reacting. So sometimes, Deanne, do you actually have to go in there and slay the bear? Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) That that happens. We try to negotiate with the bear first, Uh, and if it doesn't work out, um, sometimes the bear has to go down. Bear has to go down. So (laughs) we just have to play every situation by ear. If you handled every case the exact same way, we'd be doing everybody a disservice. So you really have to know what kind of bear that is, and know how best to approach it. Well, we are going to come back and go through the top. 10 things that you can consider to help secure your financial future during and after a divorce. We'll also take your questions here on The Mom Show. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with Deanne Doulas from Sheridan and Doulas. Welcome back to The Mom Show on My Talk 1071. You can always get replays of The Mom Show, all of the great information that we give. If you just need to listen to it a little bit more intensely, sometimes you can go to our website and mytalk1071.com. Use the keyword Mom Show. Get all of the previous episodes mm-hmm. uh, because we are going to kind of piggyback onto some things that you said before, yes. Deanne. So sometimes if you go, well, in a previous episode, we talked about prenuptial agreements, all of those things. Now we're to the point that maybe you didn't do some of those things, (laughs) but we have information for you now. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it's really important to be thoughtful about how we do these things and don't just kind of work, you know, kind of skim through them. Right. Uh, The first thing that people really need to be thinking about is making that budget. Okay. One of the first things a lawyer is going to ask you, and frankly, it's something you should be working on even before you go in and talk to a lawyer about a divorce. Okay. Uh, we give out questionnaires whenever anybody comes in and talks to me. And the last thing in the questionnaire is the budget. And I will tell you, nine times out of ten, the budget comes back blank. Blank. Mm-hmm. Figuring out a budget is ridiculously difficult. And yes. I have sat with people and we've gone through budgets. We've kind of worked our way through either documents or just talking with them through their budgets. And there are some folks who really don't have a handle on what they're spending every month. Right. And 
that's okay. If it's working for you and you don't know what you're spending every month, that's perfect. But when we're going to now separate you into two different households, we really need to get a sense of what that cost is. And there's some really good uh, things you should keep in mind when you're making a budget so you don't fall into some of the really big pitfalls that kind of undermine what you're trying to do with the budget. And so we encourage you, just like we encourage you to find the right legal advice, go find a qualified financial planner sometimes. There are lots of little Mm -hmm. ins and outs of it. We talk about this with our friend Cassandra Brazier from Clear Step Financial. It's the same thing. that, And I do think that that is a recurring theme with all of our experts that work through here is go talk to somebody. Go talk to a couple of people if you need to and have somebody that communicates with you the way that you need to have things explained. Well, and that is number two that's uh, on our list, working with a financial expert. And when you're working with somebody, you don't always have to be thinking about, you know, well, I don't have a lot of resources, so I'm not going to, you know, I don't need someone to help me invest money. That's not what we're talking about. Right. If you're the person who has never handled finances before in your in your relationship, if you're the person who's going to come out with less Uh, ongoing income or cash flow, Uh, if you're a person who just has never really been interested in understanding those things, or maybe you're even concerned about the cost, right? really consider that there are other options out there that are either very low cost or free to you. Um, I'm going to make a plug here for Daisy Camp. Yes. It is a group of professionals who uh, work to help educate people going through the divorce process. They always have classes coming up. Most of them are $25 to attend and they each have a different subject. So it can be, you know, how to make a budget, how to uh, plan for your future, how to understand what cash flow looks like. All of those things that kind of make uh, a lot of us kind of get that pit in our stomach, kind of go, I don't want to think about that. Right. They're there to really give you the tools and to help you learn how to do that. And when you go to like things like Daisy Camp or you go into like momstalkmoney.com, which yep. we talk about, the thing is that we try to remind people that you hear the words financial planner and to be, and I think especially, you know, our, our, our methodology as women is like, that's a Hollywood thing. Yes. You only do that once you have millions of dollars. Those no. are the kind of people that have financial advisors. And that's mm-hmm. not the case. Financial advisors it. are just like, if you wanted to go and go, I need a nutritionist. I need a, you know, I need a general practitioner doctor. I need, there's some things that you don't have to know. Right. And there are people who specialize in it. And that's what a lot of times these financial advisors do is that they can help you navigate this world. Yes. And not staying, you know, I think we just kind of go, oh, no, I'm not bougie enough. Right. I'm not, and it's, that's not the case. That's yes. not what they all do. Some of them. Yes. All about the bouge. Not, mm-hmm. But, but and, often day to day. Right. And that fear of working with a financial planner that somehow they're just going to start churning the file and right. charge you huge fees. And, you know, if you're really working with somebody that's a financial planner as opposed to an investment Correct. person. Financial planner does different things with you. It, they can do investments for you, but they can also just help you learn how to manage your money, set goals, and be able to achieve those goals. And going back to number one, budgeting is the first place we start with that. So, and then the other thing that you encourage people when they're doing their budgets is to kind of not go by those those automatic, you know, yeah. oh, you need this number, like all of the things that, you know, the, the we'll call it just the base level. Mm-hmm. You need this many times your income. It's like you want them to look deeper than that. Oh, oh, so much so. Okay. You know, whenever you hear the cliche of, oh, well, you should have a budget that's three times the amount of your housing. Right. Well, no. Right. <laughs> that, that, it can work. Yes. But it's rare that it actually works. Right. And you also have to dig deeper than just those basic hard expenses like here's my rent, here's my mortgage payment, here's 
here's my house insurance, here's my car payment, here's my car insurance, right? And just deal with those basic things. We really have to get into the weeds when we're talking about building a successful budget. Well, we encourage everybody to call in and ask any questions you might have of Deanne from Sheridan and Doulas. The number is 651-641-1071. And Kate, thank you very much for holding. What's your question for Deanne? Excuse me. Hi. Yes, my name is Kate. Um, I have a question. I recently, oh, I've been divorced for a few years, and I am on a fixed budget. I've got it pretty well organized. I do have a financial planner and so on. However, my um, ex-husband, I got a letter that he wants to take me to court to eliminate the spousal support and or lower it because he chooses not to work and lives with, with a woman who is supporting him. And it's very frustrating. Um, he's very capable of working, um, but he chooses not to. So I don't know how to work around that. But um, it's you know I I count on that income to pay mm-hmm. my bills, and now I'm not getting it. And so. Do you have any suggestions? Well, first things first, you really should talk to a lawyer. I don't know if he has one or not. uh, but I I did just make an appointment with one. I have not met with them yet. Okay. So one of the things I even tell people that come in and talk to me is talk to two or three lawyers. We all have the same degree, but we do it a little bit differently. So you want to make sure that the person that you're working with is someone that you feel comfortable asking questions of, that you feel like you're going to have a role in the decision making, and right. they're not just going to do it for you and tell you what you're going to do. So that's that's key. Talk to somebody. Yeah, I do think I'm going to go with the divorce lawyer I had who was very nice. I have put a, um, I have an appointment with that person. Excellent. But in that divorce decree, it does state that he cannot lower it at all and or you know he has to continue paying and another question is he's um not of uh, um social security age or anything yet getting close but if he refuses to pay me um or chooses not to work at all when he turns 62 would i be able to collect from his social security my um alimony Okay, so a couple of different things. Let's deal with the first part of the question first. Um, He can bring a motion that doesn't mean he's going to win. Okay, He will try to hold you emotionally hostage with that issue to see if he can at least negotiate the number down. But the way it works in Minnesota is that if you have an obligation for support, you have to prove that there is a substantial change in circumstances making the prior award unfair and unreasonable. And if the reason why he can't satisfy it is because he's choosing not to work, that's not going to fly. It's got to be something more than something, a self-created circumstance to get spousal maintenance to be lowered. And if his expenses are lower because he's living with somebody, that will also reduce his need. So it increases his ability to pay you. So it will be difficult and troubling to get through this. Um, and it will be a large pain in the backside. Um, but... Part of the reason people do this is because they hope that they're going to create enough fear and anxiety in you that you'll do something to avoid the process, including just negotiating the number down. If you have something in your agreement called a Karen waiver, yeah. and, and, and that's the basis for um, him not being able to modify support, as long as the Karen waiver was written properly, it is exceedingly difficult to undo a Karen waiver. You're basically divesting the court of jurisdiction to even hear that motion. And the only way to give jurisdiction back 
is if you both agree the court has that jurisdiction. And Kate, hold on. I know we have a second question as all, but uh, uh, as well to a uh, second part to that question. But Deanne, you had previously talked about a Karen waiver in another yeah. episode. What is that? It's where you have an agreement between two parties. A judge can't give it to you. An agreement between two parties where you will make the amount of maintenance that you're paying non-modifiable. So it'll be for a certain amount for a certain period of time, and it can never change unless very specific things happen. And you said that that's good and bad, because sometimes they go up and you could technically qualify for more, but you signed that away. Yes, exactly. Okay, but But also in cases like this, it's... Well, you can't take it away from me either. Right, exactly. So even if he comes in um, with a really great excuse, um, if there's a Karen waiver and it was properly put in your divorce decree, those are really hard to undo. If he does owe you money uh, in the future, you can get that converted to a judgment and you can garnish him, uh, garnish bank accounts. There's lots of things that you can do to collect it. Social Security gets a little bit... uh, more difficult because there are certain reserves with social security but if there are other resources or assets you can certainly go back and ask the court to capture those yeah he's put his taken his name off all their checking accounts and just have has them in her name now um so he can be covered you know and and then they have several different checking accounts only mm-hmm. he's just stating one in this thing that he or in this whatever divorce thing oh. that he's you know, yeah. and I've had these before too, where folks that have businesses will sell their businesses and you know go you know work as a bus driver somewhere to <laughs> avoid paying these support obligations. Uh, right. The court doesn't like it, and uh, if they're moving money in or, or taking his name off of accounts to avoid those payments, that mm-hmm. can actually be an issue of fraud. Ah. Well, that's good to know. So hunker down, it sounds like, Kate. Hunker down, and hopefully you do have good good counsel out there as well. If not, you can always call us back. We can get your information as well. Bless your heart. Thank you so much for the advice. I do appreciate it. No problem. Good luck, Kate. Thank you. Bye. I do appreciate her sharing that because, as you said, it is really a complicated thing. And there's so many different ins and outs. But... I'm sure you could just tell that from the initial part of the conversation to after just speaking to you for those couple of minutes, Mm -hmm. she sounded lighter. Yes. (laughs) Just to get some additional information. Always. Because it's that lack of information, that fear of the unknown that wakes us up, that haunts us day. We can't get it out of our heads. It's kind of swirling up there. And you just need a little bit of information can really make a big difference. Well, we're going to go to break. But if you have any questions, you can always call us as well. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back here on The Mom Show with Deanne Doulas from Sheridan and Doulas. Welcome back to The Mom Show on My Talk 1071. I'm Miss Shannon. Deanne Doulas from Sheridan and Doulas is also here. Now, you can always get the information about Sheridan and Doulas by going to our website, mytalk1071.com, keyword mom show. But you can also go to your website, yes. Deanne. And I just checked it out. I do look at it every time you're in, but you snazzed it up a little bit. Yeah. There's we a great to- picture of you and Jeff Sheridan, your partner. You guys look good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, we just re uh, did the website, uh, trying to make it a little bit more user friendly. Yes. And I like that you show that there is such a variety of information that you get by going to Sheridan and Doulas because you do have, mm-hmm. you know, it is a broad spectrum practice. You have a variety of people that work through, yes. you know, work through different scenarios because you've mentioned with the family law, you do have to talk about a lot of different 
cogs and wheels oh, in people's always, lives. Always, always. So, you know, w- once you've got a divorce done, you may have an old will mm-hmm. that's still sitting there that has your ex-spouse now as your beneficiary. It does not matter if you are divorced. If your will says he's going to get it, he is going to get it. Wow. So it's mm-hmm. we have people that deal with those issues. We deal with employment issues. We deal with um, custody. We deal with criminal. We deal with harassment issues. We really try to be there to serve real people needs and so we do cover a really broad spectrum and we encourage you to go to that website as well as ssdpa.com we'll remember uh, remind that to everybody and make sure that it's also on the mom show page and thank you very much for calling again the number is 651-641-1071 we're going to get back into the top 10 things you should consider to help secure your financial future during and after divorce but first we're going to go to shelly thank you for calling shelly no problem so what's your question so my question is, is that um, my husband's no longer able to work, mm-hmm. and I've been kind of contemplating on divorce previous to this happening, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm wondering, since I pay for everything, if I would have to end up paying him spousal support. How long have you been married? 20 years. And do you still have minor kids? Uh, no, they're over one is- 21 and one's 20. Okay. And how long has he been out of work? Uh, Over a year and a half. And has he ever contemplated filing for Social Security disability? Already done that. And was he able to get benefits? Not yet. Okay. So still in the process? Yep. Has he had a hearing yet? No. Okay. When you say that you've been paying for everything... Do you make more than sixty, seventy-five thousand dollars? No. Okay. So here's the thing that we always have to keep in mind when it comes to spousal maintenance. Spousal maintenance isn't controlled like by a formula, like uh, child support is. It's based upon a balancing of his needs and ability to meet his own needs versus your needs and your ability to meet your own needs. It is not uh, take all of the income and divide by two doesn't work that way so he would only get spousal maintenance from you if you had a reasonable ability to pay so the court may want to look at some help to get him into another circumstance to move him someplace but if he really is incapable of working he'll have benefits through the state SSI and hopefully SSDI the disability insurance to help meet those needs but if you Mm -hmm. If you don't have the ability to do both, he's not going to have a great case towards spousal maintenance. Okay. Okay. It's going to be an issue. One of my biggest concerns is, oh, great, then how am I going to be able to afford to live if I have to pay him? Well, you and, know, X and, amount of dollars out of my paychecks every two weeks. <laughs> and I am telling you that uh, I think that you've got a strong case to be able to defend it, but it is absolutely still going to come up. He is still going to say it. He's going to say those things to you because it's going to upset you or uh, because if this is something he doesn't want, um, he will do what he needs to do to try to get you in a place where you may agree to it or agree to stay together because of your fear of it. Okay. So just be mindful of that. It, uh, those types of things really do paralyze us and keep us from acting because we're so afraid of what might happen. Just be prepared to understand that that becomes a weapon for him to use against you psychologically. Okay. 
Well, I thank you. All right. Good luck. Yep. Bye. Oh, so many things that so you have much. to deal with. And I know we need to get into talking about child support issues, but I think Shelly brought up a really good point about us cooing about how spousal maintenance works. Yes. Okay. So let's cover that a little bit. All right. Well, and, and number four on our list was mm-hmm. spousal maintenance. So right. spousal maintenance, like I said, isn't controlled by a formula. And right now, through the end of 2018, it is deductible by the person paying it and taxable to the person receiving it. Okay. So we actually increase the amount that's being paid to account for that tax consequence. Okay. But for every award starting after January 1st, 2019, so we're under three months, those will be non-taxable awards, which means the person paying them won't be able to deduct them, and the person receiving them won't count them as income. See, that when you mentioned that a few months ago, that sounded very complicated and I didn't understand the methodology for doing that. So remind us again why they were making that change. They're making that change because the IRS decided that they were losing a lot of money. Yes. For folks in the higher income brackets that were paying spousal maintenance, when they deducted it off of their incomes, it means that it might have pushed them to a lower bracket. Right. Or is certainly paying a lower percentage of tax. Okay. And the person they're paying it to is usually at a lower tax bracket. Right. Which means that the IRS was funding a lot of that spousal maintenance payment because the people with the higher bracket were paying less taxes and the people with lower bracket were also paying less taxes right. on that money. Okay. So the IRS did this so that they could try to recapture some of that lost tax revenue, basically. So are they implying that the amount of spousal, ma- spousal maintenance that you are receiving is small enough that it's not worthy of them taxing it or counting it as income? Why is it not being counted? Because they want to count it as income for the person making more money. Okay. All right. Right. And, and they don't want to double count it. Right. They don't want to okay. double count it. That okay. would that would get everybody mad. Right. But okay. in this circumstance, what they're doing basically is if someone's going to pay taxes on it, they'd rather have the person paying taxes on it that's making more money because then they get more tax income. Okay. So it's very important as you move forward into next year that people are very cautious about how they set up those Right. In the divorce decrees. Absolutely. And the other thing that you need to be thoughtful about is if you're getting close to the resolution of your divorce, but you're not there yet and it's a spousal maintenance case, you may very well want to hurry that up and get it done before the end of the year. Otherwise, once Because then you're grandfathered into what the situation is now. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And for anybody else out there, they might want to just kind of slow the... Just right. pump the brakes. Pump the brakes a little bit. If you're bit. the one that's going to get the spousal maintenance, maybe you want to pump the brakes. Pump for the brakes. Interesting. We okay. do expect that the amount of uh, spousal maintenance people will receive is going to go down because we won't have to increase it to account for the tax obligation. Okay. Uh, but uh, because you don't have to declare taxes on it, it's just money. It's just okay. money that you could use uh, dollar for dollar, pay for your expenses. Well, we encourage people getting a call and we have some great calls so far at 651-641-1071. And because of that, we did go a little out of order. So let's go back to what number three would have been, which is talking about child support, because that's changing or well, just changed. It just changed. Okay. So the child support formula that had been in place since 2007 has now changed as of August 1st, 2018. Okay. So it is brand new, fresh, and there are plenty of lawyers that Maybe not even aware that it happened yet. Right. So what that means is that if you were on that child support cliff where maybe you and your spouse, you had six days and your spouse had eight or vice versa, Mm -hmm. you are now in a situation where 
application of this new formula to your child support award will dramatically change the amount of money you receive. Okay. So is this going forward or for people who are already in the midst of this? Both. Okay. Got it. All right. So they did not create any delay. It means that everybody out there right now in that situation has the ability to bring a motion to modify support based upon the formula and without a separate change in circumstances. Okay. All right. So it doesn't matter if someone is making more or less money right now. It's right. just the formula has changed and now I want to right. redo the math. The So before this, when we were looking at the formulas, you could often see the difference in that one overnight would make six, eight hundred, fourteen hundred dollars a month difference in the right. amount of child support paid. We try to negotiate through that. But for those cases that didn't, if you're receiving child support and you were receiving it because you had eight out of 14 days as opposed to seven out of 14 days. You need to be aware that the uh, other spouse could be bringing a motion to dramatically lower that child support award. Okay. So what was the reasoning behind this, Deanne? Well, it was because of that large cliff. It used to be that you'd pay a certain amount of child support if you had your kids uh, for zero to 10% of the time. Yes. And then you'd pay another chunk if you were between 10 and 45% of the time. Okay. So someone who had their kids basically three nights a month Mm -hmm. were treated the exact same way as someone who had six out of every 14 nights. Right. And so there was a kind of a large outcry that that wasn't fair Fair. that (laughs) those parents should be treated the same way. Right. And then if you went from six out of 14 nights to seven out of 14 nights, it went down dramatically. Like I said, I saw cases that was $600 a month difference based on one overnight, $1,400 a month difference based upon that one overnight per month. Right. So that one overnight made dramatic changes. And so now the new formula curves the line. So instead of creating this step down, it creates an arc. So if you're, um, person paying you spousal or excuse me, child support has approximately 30% of the time or less, you may see that their child support goes up. But anybody who has uh, the child more than 30% up until about 45 is going to see a reduction in their support. And so if you think that this might apply to you, you're saying that you should go, this is a good time for you to seek counsel so they can do the math. Because it is kind of like this fuzzy equation. It's a very fuzzy equation. Uh, Some people don't understand it yet. Get to somebody who does understand it and uh, see if you can work out the numbers. There's also an online calculator if you go to the Minnesota State uh, D- Department of Human Services or just type in Minnesota Child Support Calculator into Google. Mm-hmm. You can get there and do some of the calculations by yourself. Um, do be careful though, because this is one of those things that if you put the wrong number in the wrong place, you're going to get a dramatically different <laughs> right. number. Yes. Um, it really also comes down to the exact number of days that you have the kids. And when we are talking about having the kids, there's both overnights okay. and overnight equivalents that we're now talking about okay so let's say that um one of the parents has the child all day on sunday and returns to the other parent at 8 p.m on sunday night yes the conversation we now have is whether the person who had the child all day gets credit for that day or the person who got them at 8 p.m and put them to bed 
gets credit for that day. Right. So we start talking now about overnights and overnight equivalents, and they want us to look at that over the course of a two-year average. Oh, goodness. I know. (laughs) So there are a lot of folks out there very anxious about what that means. What it means is is that we're going to try to be really thoughtful about that time. Should a parent who feeds the child dinner on a Wednesday get credit for an overnight equivalent? Probably not. Right. But what if that parent had the children every day after school until 7 p.m. and got them dinner, got homework done. Right. Five days a week. Yes. Should that count towards something? But just giving them an overnight equivalent means that we also have to take one away from the other parent. So it's really going to be my hope. My hope is that what we're going to do is this is going to cause people to talk. Yes. And be really realistic about what that schedule looks like and be really thoughtful about the costs that each of you are going to incur when the kids are with you. Well, as we go to break, remember, if you have any questions, you can always contact us at 651-641-1071. We're going to continue our conversation on things you should do to uh, make sure that you are secure financially in the future during and after your divorce. Here with Sheridan and Dulas is Deanne Dulas on The Mom Show. Welcome back to The Mom Show here on My Talk 1071. I'm Miss Shannon. Deanne Doulas from Sheridan and Doulas is here. You can always go to their website, ssdpa.com. Get some information there. Mm-hmm. Get some things that have been weighing on your mind off. Off your <laughs> yes. mind. Mm-hmm. That's really the goal, right? And if you can't afford or you think you can't afford to go in and talk to a lawyer, our firm, like many others, offers free consultations. They really are free. They will not try to give you the hard sell. Go in and talk to somebody. Right. Make sure you're getting the information that you need uh, to help you sleep at night and make some good decisions moving forward. And that's going to go into some of the things that we're going to talk about because we're going to get some into like kind of the, the finances part yeah. of things that you forget or don't. it doesn't occur to you as you were going through the process of going through a divorce. Absolutely. And so number five is cost of living adjustments. Both child support and spousal maintenance are subject to two every two-year cost of living adjustments. If you have automatic withholding through the county, they will work with you and do those things automatically. If okay. you don't, you have to actively seek out a cost of living adjustment. Okay. And it's based upon the consumer price index. And so if the other person's income has gone up by as much as or more than the increase in the consumer price index, your spousal maintenance and your child support can also be increased so by the same amount. I check back in with my divorce attorney. Absolutely. Okay. All so right. you check back in with us. There's also forms available online with each county that can give you some information. I will tell you that those forms are not the most intuitive. They, they're a Got little it. bit harder because you're dealing with big charts, but it is something that's designed for you to be able to do on your own. Fair and enough. If you got divorced when your kids were two, we're talking about potentially another seven, seven, yeah, seven or eight yes. cost of living adjustments that you'd be entitled to, um, to, and that really can make a difference as your kids get older. So it's one of those things. If you're one of those people that can do your taxes online, mm-hmm. then maybe you can do this yourself. But yes. if not, if you would prefer to go in and talk to a tax preparer, this is that kind of scenario. Yes. Got or it. pay the 25, well, it's going to be $35 now, but pay the $35 application fee to have your child support automatically withheld from the other parent's income. Okay. And then the county will help you with it. Fair enough. All right. So that's good to know. Because there's lots of those things out there that you just go, I've said it, now I forget it. And this is not one of those things. No. You can go back and get some more money to help you with those increasing costs. 
And then we've talked about this a little bit for the 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 difference between marital funds and non-marital funds and those. And I know that gets a little gray for yeah. some people. All right. All right. So if you have money that you had prior to your marriage uh, or money that you got by gift or inheritance, please keep that money separate. Okay. And don't use it during your marriage if you can avoid it. All right. Because okay? if you use it, unless you're putting it as money down on a house or a cabin, that money is largely going to go away. And when you get divorced, if it's your non-marital money, you get to keep it and it doesn't count. Right. So to the best that you can while you are married or while you're getting ready don't to pay marry. off your credit cards. Don't, don't pay off your, you yeah. know, or your car or anything like that. Or, okay. And better yet, don't pay off your spouses. Fair enough. Yes. Right? Got it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't empty your bank account and pay for the wedding all by yourself. Find another way of financing that preserve those non-marital assets. All right. And then one of the things I think is I like what you're saying is like, sometimes are you really going to get the best benefit out of what money you're putting into things. Yes. Okay. So every divorce is financial. Every divorce is um, emotional. And every divorce has its legal component. If you allow the emotional component to drive your decision making, you will end up spending 500 chasing 50. Right. You really have to consider those costs of attorney's fees. You really have to consider the cost of being right about an issue. Because are you doing it just to quote unquote win? Yes. Okay. Right. And sometimes that's really hard to hear because you know that the other side has been lying about you. Yes. And you really want it shown that they've been lying, that they haven't been doing what they were supposed to be doing. But we always have to come back to the basics. If it is going to cost us $500 to get a $50 award, Mm -hmm. that may not be the best choice. Right. So always keep that in mind. And I think it's interesting when you go and do that. It's like, we know that adulting is hard. We all know that. And especially when so many emotions get in there. And that's the other reason why finding the right professional that can help you distance Mm -hmm. and go, here's how you can regroup in the long run. Like you might be better spending that extra money to go and see a therapist that can help you feel better (laughs) than to sit there and worry about, am I going to be able to sit there and have a moral victory over something that really in the long run is not going to help you? Well, the emotional baggage that comes out of every divorce, every relationship can weigh you down in ways that you don't even really understand. Right. And so when it starts to control you and control your behavior, it becomes a hazard to yourself. So really getting help is, is no different than putting on a pair of glasses. I can't think my way to see better. I can't work harder to see better, to fix my eyesight. And that's the same thing by going and talking to a therapist. Sometimes you need that extra little bit of help just to get you through the day. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you're weak. Doesn't mean you can't handle your business, but it means your day is going to be easier because you put those glasses on right. or you went and talked to somebody. And then sometimes when you're going through this process, it sounds like you try so hard to be reasonable that you actually end up hurting yourself. Yes. Okay. Well, especially in situations where you've got one really controlling spouse. Right. Uh, you may think, well, you know what? I'll just, I'll just say yes. I'll do what he wants. And then, and then it'll be okay. Then, you know, he'll be reasonable with me. He'll see that I'm being reasonable and then he'll be reasonable. And often, especially with those controlling and abusive personalities, Mm -hmm. they just know that that's one more opportunity for them to take advantage of you. Right. You've crossed that boundary and now they know that they can keep pushing. Yes, and they will. So be really mindful of that. Don't give in because you think it's going to make things better, that he'll be nicer. He'll be a different person. 
be really thoughtful about why you're saying yes. And finally, once you're done with the divorce, you kind of encourage people to not just, I'm going to spend all my money and clear up all these debts because I want to be done. Yes. You need to, you need to do that, but you need to be really thoughtful because if the money that you received is better sitting in that 401k and earning income Mm -hmm. and paying off debt over time, then do that. But if your debt is what is holding you down, is suppressing your cash flow so that you are barely able to make it, so that you can't pay for groceries, you can't sustain rent payment, you can't make that mortgage payment, then pay off that debt or be really smart about it. Because now we're not just talking about, oh, I won't have $500, you know, I'm paying off that debt. It's $500 a month. You might not have to pay on that bill every month. Right. Right. And even if you pay off a bunch of small ones, Add up what those minimum payments are that you've been making. You may find that spending $10,000 to pay off a bunch of debts that are costing you $750 a month is the better way of handling those finances. Right. And we just want to remind everybody that we know that these are difficult scenarios and that they are things that will weigh on you. And that's why it's good to go and talk to a lawyer. Yes. Talk to a lawyer, talk to a financial planner, make sure that you're making sound decisions financially for yourself and legally and understand the impact that your own personal emotions can have on how you move forward because it really can be paralyzing. It's very easy to find Deanne and her team over at Sheridan Doulas. You can call them at 651-968-1249. That's 651-968-1249. Or again, the website is ssdpa.com. Deanne, I think that you help people out a lot today. You know, I really hope so. So make sure you listen to this as well. If you need to listen back, it's mytalk1071.com keyword mom show.